0: is real there's
1: power in your name we find hope when we trust in your ways we need jesus is real
0: clearly you are an epistle of christ ministered by us written not with ink but by the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. See, this idea that the Christian home should reveal Jesus, that the way believers live now, our homes should reveal to people that Jesus is real, that our lives have been changed. Not only true between husbands and wives, but also between
1: children and their parents. It's a sign of strong character when your actions match your words. That's exactly the point that Pastor Daniel brings up in today's study of Colossians. He shares that the transformation that God brings to your inward life should trickle out to your relationships and especially to your family. When families operate by God's design, it shows the world that Jesus is real and that following him makes a huge difference in your life. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Colossians chapter three as he continues his message Jesus transforms us. Jesus is
0: but listen, in Christ, if you're taking a self-assessment, how are you doing putting up with people who are different from you right now? I know for many of us we're struggling. And then you forgive one another. And then the Apostle Paul kind of nails it, says, "If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do." So are you harboring unforgiveness right now? You got to take that self-assessment. I was just talking with my kids about this. I say that, you know, harboring unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Like the only person who gets hurt when you're not forgiving someone is the person who is not forgiving the person. The other person is fine. They've moved on, but we, we allow this root of bitterness to kind of, to kind of be within us. And so we need to be forgiving. And then Paul says, and above all, right? He's like, he's like, he's hitting it all. He says, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. So when we do this self-assessment, how are you looking right now? It's rough, right? God's got a lot of work to do. As I always say, he ain't done with me yet. He's still working on me right now. It reminds me of, The Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, examine yourselves as to whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. I love that. He says, listen, examine yourself. Test yourselves. Don't you know who you are? Listen, I want to encourage you. Take the list that we just went through real briefly. Three verses, verses 12 to 14. And I want you to do a self-assessment. Maybe bring in the people who are close to you and say, hey, listen, how am I doing in these? On a scale of one being lousy, 10 being I'm acing this. Where's my numbers at? And see what you get. And listen, it's not wrong to know where you are so that you can know where God wants to do a work. Right? So take that self-assessment. These are the characteristics of the child of God, the chosen by God, the one set apart for God, the one loved by God. Now, from there... If you really want to grow in these characteristics, there are very specific things that you and I can do. And we really learn it in verses 15 to 17, where it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, Teaching and admonishing one another in Psalms and in hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And, and really, if you want to, if you want to grow in, in these, in this new life in Christ, there's a simple question you have to ask yourself. What do you let in? That's the question. What do you let in? Because in these verses, notice it keeps saying, and let, let, and let. So it's about what we let in. And this really speaks to us about living intentionally in the days and days, in the days that we have. Really living specifically. Notice what it says first in these verses, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. So the first thing we need to do is we need to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. Now it doesn't say let all of the drama of our culture rule in your hearts. It says let the peace of God rule in your hearts. So one of the things we choose to let in is we choose to let God's peace have its Impact in our hearts. Of course, Jesus said it this way in John chapter 14, verse 27. He said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So we want to let God's peace in. Are you letting God's peace rule your heart? Or are you letting Your own stuff rule your heart, your own issues, your own fears, your own garbage. No, no. We let God's peace rule our hearts. Not only do we let God's peace rule our hearts, look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. So the next thing we let is we let the word of God dwell richly within each one of us. So are you letting the word of God in? Jeremiah said it this way, Jeremiah 15, 16. Your word was found and I ate them and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Listen. Listen. You need to let the word of God dwell richly within you. Notice, I love that word, dwell richly. So it doesn't mean just a little bit. This is like, you want God's word overflowing in your life. That's why you need to be reading it. You need to be listening to it. You need to be memorizing it. You need to be discussing it. You need to be applying it to your life. And notice it says that we should be sharing it with one another you know, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts. Now, I also love this because what we also learn is that we should let everything, you know, the other thing you should do is you should let everything be done in the name of Jesus. That's what you get from verse 17. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So one of the things we should let is we should let everything we do in our lives be done in the name of Jesus. And I love that the idea of the name of Jesus, because the name always denotes the nature of. Like I always say, like, when you hear my name, Daniel Fusco, right? Nobody ever thinks D-A-N-I-E-L-F-U-S-C-O and bingo was his name. Oh, nobody thinks that. You, you think of me. You think, of, you know, he's short. He's furry. He's kind of fun. Like, I like him. I hope that's what you think, right? So when you hear the name, it denotes the nature. And so let everything be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The idea is that we should live our lives according to the nature of Jesus. And one of the things we let is we let ourselves only do things based on the name of Jesus, not on some other name. If for some other allegiance that we might have. So the question for you is, what is it that you are letting in? And don't miss all through these verses. It talks about how we should be... Thankful, the end of verse 15, and be thankful. At the end of verse 17, give thanks to God the Father through him. So we should let ourselves be thankful. How powerful is that? It's really easy to not have an attitude of gratitude, isn't it? It's so easy to look through life and say, I wish I had this. This thing's lame. Why is it like this? Why does it, you know, and, and instead of saying, no, no, thank you, God. Thank you for that you've given me a day. Thank you that the current sufferings I'm going through, it means I'm still here. There's breath in my lungs. I, I can experience, Lord, Lord, you know my health is a mess right now. But Lord, thank you that I'm still here right now. I live to, to worship you. I give you thanks today. And because I'm here now, I'm, I'm going to let my heart be joyful and thankful. I'm not going to be self-centered and selfish. Yeah, my, my issues are real, but I'm going to choose to praise you, God. See, the, these are the things that you have to ask. What do you let in? Are you letting God's peace rule? Are you letting God's word dwell richly? Are you doing everything? Are you letting everything be done in the name of Jesus? Are you letting your heart rejoice in the Lord in the midst of your circumstances? Listen, if you want to take on those characteristics of the new person that we read about in verses 12 to 14... I guarantee you, if you let God's peace rule your heart, you let God's word dwell in you, you choose to live your life, letting everything be done in the name of Jesus and you choose to be grateful, all those other things are gonna be the byproducts of that. Because it's the work of the spirit in our lives. Now, from there, as we hit verse 18, and we go all the way down to the end of the chapter to the very first verse of chapter four, really, we learn a principle that gets kind of unpacked very quickly. But it's, I want to give you the principle up top, and then I want to read it, and then we'll unpack it all. Really, the principle is that the Christian home should reveal Jesus. Like, the Christian home should be transformed by Jesus. And you notice as I'm going to read this, there's wives and husbands and childrens and dads, and then you have bond servants and masters. And so all of this was the the home the microcosm of the home. And really what all this means is that within the life of the people of God, the people who are chosen, the people who are set apart, the people who are loved by God, that in their home-based relationship, the Christian home should reveal Jesus. Let me read it to you. So Colossians chapter 3 verse 18 said, wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, Love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye servants, as men-pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Chapter 4, verse 1. masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Now, it's interesting because, you know, we talk about husbands and wives, and then we talk about children and fathers. And then in the second half, it moves towards bondservants and masters. I know that might sound strange, but when we get to the bondservants and masters, I'll unpack a little bit how that plays. But really what you have here is that Because we are chosen by God, we're set apart as holy, because we're loved by God, because we've put off the old person, we're putting on the new person. Now, the way we interact in our homes should reflect the very testimony of the fact that Jesus has transformed our lives. Now, in each one of these, the key to always remember as the Bible teaches us about God's plan for our families and our relationships is that the Bible holds out the ideal as as this is God's plan for it. But for each one of us, we have to realize that oftentimes, the other end of these relationships are not always ideal. And so we we have a tendency, like like it begins with, wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And in our day and age, when you hear, oh, wives, submit to your husbands, right away, people start flipping out, right? Now, here's what you have to realize, is that first— the idea of submission in the Bible, all of us are called to submit to Jesus. And then in Ephesians chapter 5, it says we should submit to one another in the Lord. And then it says wives should submit to their husbands. And then it says husbands should love their wives and be willing to die for her. So I realized that when you put all that together, we're all called to submit to Jesus. We're called to submit to one another. And then when it says wives submit to your own husbands, as is fitting in the Lord, you, people say, Oh, you take it out of context. You're like, Oh, so whim, the Bible says sees women as inferior. No. Function does not denote value in the Bible. There are different functions. And so a wife is called to submit to her husband as unto Jesus, but the husband is not, now doesn't lord it over his wife, because notice what it says next. It says, Husbands. Love your wives and do not be bitter to them. So here's the deal. When a husband is living self-sacrificially and loving his wife, then it's easy for a woman to submit to her husband because she's receiving the love of Jesus through them. And when a husband doesn't want to embitter his wife, then it's easy to see this man has got my best interest at in heart and so I can submit to him. And for a husband, he is saying, it doesn't say husbands love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. If they submit to you, it says, husbands, you should live self-sacrificially no matter what they're doing. So the beauty of these roles within is that the value is not determined by the function, but both husbands and wives, their lives should be a reflection of the revelation of the life of Jesus. As Jesus has loved me as a husband to my bride, as he died for me, that I should be willing to give up my life and myself for my bride. And as I'm seeking to do that, as she is learning to submit to Jesus, then she says, I'm gonna submit to you. And I also submit to the loving leadership of my husband. And this is not a vehicle for husbands to have lordship over their wives, to oppress their wives. No, it's the exact opposite. Jesus, his death for us was the ultimate act of liberation. And when a husband loves his wife as Jesus loved the church, then it's easy to submit to that because it has nothing to do with oppression. It has everything to do with flourishing. So within the the, the function of the Christian marriage, there is this revelation of the finished work of Jesus. And of course, this is what the Apostle Paul said, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, where he says, "'You are our epistle.'" written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. See, this idea that the Christian home should reveal Jesus, that the way believers live now, our homes should reveal to people that Jesus is real, that our lives have been changed. Not only true between husbands and wives, but also between children and their parents. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Now, of course, this reminds us that the children should, you know, in the Ten Commandments, we should honor our fathers and our mothers. Really, the idea is the reason God cares about children of being obedient to their parents. Now, this is, again, in the ideal, you have godly parents who are loving the Lord or are submitting to the Lord. They're, they're loving one another, and their asks of their children are not anything that is oppressive or hurtful, right? The problem becomes when you have, you have to obey, children have to obey their parents if their parents are awful, Their parents are destructive. Now all of a sudden it's a whole other thing because now you're trying to paint an ideal way to live on a not ideal situation. But the reason God is interested in children learning how to obey their parents because quite simply, if you can't obey your parents who you can see, how can you ever obey God who you can't see? So children being obedient to their parents is about children's wills learning that there is an authority in my life. And when I respect and obey that authority, blessings come right? So God wants kids to learn the ability to obey the authorities over them, knowing that at best, parents are standing for the authority of God over them. But again, you remove it from the safety of a Christian home, and children being obedient to their parents could be quite destructive. And then fathers, notice, fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So again, as children are seeking to obey their parents, fathers, and, and by extension, mothers, are not supposed to provoke their children. There needs to be mutual understanding. You know, it's not a parent's job to discourage their children or, or just make their children aggravated. Because, you know, I always said when I had kids, I was going to make you, put you through the pain that I went through with my parents. No. Because of Jesus, because we're united with Jesus, now all of a sudden, as a father, I don't want to provoke my, I don't want to discourage my kids. I want to encourage them. I don't want to tear them down. I want to build them up. I want them to experience Jesus in ways that I never got to experience growing up. And, and, and you start changing the way that you live because now the home is revealing the reality of Jesus. And the way fathers deal with children, mothers deal with children, children deal with their parents, it's different. Because the goal now is to please the Lord now we move into the bond servants and masters now here's what you have to realize when the bible speaks about servants and slavery it's almost never the way we think about it in our culture and if you don't believe me go read uh exodus chapters 19 20 and 21 because in those chapters we learn that it's totally wrong to kidnap somebody take them against their will move them right like all that's wrong they were they were created in god's image so by and large, in the time that the apostle Paul was writing, every family had their home, they had their own business, but their business was in their home. And so when someone didn't have their own business, they would work as a bond servant for a homeowner and they would live within the house and they would raise their family within the house, and then they would be benefited by working for the so in a lot of ways, when I read bond servants in the Bible, I'm always thinking about my job, who I work for. Right? And really what you learn here, but it was, in that point, it wasn't like people had these businesses outside, like, hey, I have all this property, my businesses are here. It happened within the confines of, of, of a home. So you would have servants and masters. And so this is still a picture of the Christian home. But notice, Bond servants, obey in all things your masters, according to the flesh, verse 22. Not with eyes, services, men, pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. So, really, when I translate this into our work lives, it says, okay, so I work for somebody, so my job is to do what they're asking me to do. And I don't do it just with eye service. I don't say, oh, yeah, yeah, and do my own thing, right? I don't do it just to do it as a, as a person pleaser, but I do it in sincerity of heart. I fear God. So I realize that work is an act of worship. Whatever I do, I do it heartily as to the Lord, not to people knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of your inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. And so really what this means is we need a a theology of work. And I always like to say that oftentimes people will say, I need a new job. No, actually we need a new us at our jobs. You don't need a new job. You need a new new you at your job. Because when you do your job for the Lord and not just for your boss— then you get the rewards that come from that heavenly mindset and the company that you work for, the boss you work for gets the benefits. You may say, well, the boss doesn't deserve the benefits, but you're actually not doing it for your boss. You're doing it for Jesus. Now, I know it's really easy to say, oh, well, fufusco," it's easy for you to say that. Like, you're the senior pastor at Crossroads. You're the boss. But listen, first off, I'm actually not the boss. Jesus is the boss. And there's a board at Crossroads, so I don't get to do whatever I want. But I've also worked for lots of different people along the way. It's like, I had been a senior pastor. I came here to Crossroads and I worked underneath Pastor Bill Uh, for about, you know, almost a year and a half. And I've worked at different companies. And what I've learned in life is that if you do your work for your boss, then you're only as happy as the response you get from your boss. But if you do your work for the Lord, then your boss will almost always be happy with what you do. And either way, you're stoked because you're doing it for Jesus and not the person you work for. And in a lot of ways, when someone can make that shift it could be completely transformational. But in the same way, it's not that, you know, the Apostle Paul only has, well, this is how it looks when you're an employee. If you're an employer, masters, give your bond servants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So now, now the whole idea of servants are supposed to submit to their bosses, but the bosses could do whatever they want. No, it says, no, masters, Give to the people who work for you what is just because God is just and what is fair because God is fair. Remembering that you also have a master in heaven. All of us are people under authority and because all of us live under authority, now all of a sudden we don't just, well, I'm the boss, so I can do whatever I want. I don't care about you. No, no, no. Now you, you function with justice. Humbly knowing that just as you're someone's boss, you actually have a boss in heaven. You have a master in heaven. And again, because Jesus is doing a transformational work, the Christian home should reveal the transformation of Jesus. Where you have people who work for the homeowner and they do it as under the Lord and they are blessed because they do it to the Lord and the home gets the benefit and the homeowner doesn't lord their leadership over the people who work for them, but they always give what's just. They always give what's fair. Because they realize that just as their servant is under their authority, we are under the Lord's authority. And this is the ideal of when Jesus is transforming us, how different life could be. Jesus is real.
1: From the actions of your heart to the workings of your family, God wants to transform your life at every level. Today, Pastor Daniel explained how living connected to Jesus and letting him change you will overflow into other areas of your life, especially family and work. As you looked at God's design for different family and work roles, you saw that he wants the work that he does in your family to bless the people around you and point them back to him.
0: I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore his people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at
1: JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel starts to close out this series all about who Jesus is. You'll look at how Jesus leads the church as you study the connection between prayer and sharing who Jesus is with the world. Pastor Daniel will explain how prayer is intrinsically linked to telling others your story about how Jesus made a difference in your life. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Understanding Jesus. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.